0: This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly.
1: Here we go, Black and Blue Report, all set, fired up, out of Studio B here today. Sean Kelly with you from the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans, We've got a great show for you today on this Wednesday. Two of my favorite guests. Of course, it is a Wesley Wednesday, so David Wesley is on with us today. And because we uh, will see the Atlanta Falcons this weekend on the Saints side, Wes Durham, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons, is our guest. He's the only Falcon I like, I think, Daniel Sallerson, Really. The rest of them are just Falcons. We like Wes, though. Um, We won't tell him good luck this weekend, but we'll enjoy having him on the show today. We'll be asking him about the big news of the day. The Philadelphia Eagles have fired Chip Kelly, did so last night. Um, I can't say I'm all that surprised. The timing of it's a little weird. Uh, The fact that he was 26 and 21. uh, But look, they had some decisions to make, and uh, now that they're out of uh, playoff contention here, um, again, not too much of a surprise. And probably the first of a couple guys that uh, will uh, be removed from their positions, I guess. <laughs> next week could be a busy next week in the NFL. But anyway, uh, we'll talk to West Durham about the uh, Chip Kelly news, and of course, try and frame up this weekend's matchup between the Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, earlier today, Head Coach Sean Payton was in his um, weekly conference call with the, the media. There's two uh, sound bites I want to play for you there um, regarding the Saints' offensive line. Two stories here that uh, continue to be uh, intriguing ones to to watch and to talk about and When this season gets evaluated, these two will be uh, held in good conversation, I think. First of all, uh, Sean Payton had nothing but praise for Teron Armstead. And the way that he stepped up last week, still playing hurt, still not quite all himself. But with that offensive line as shorthanded as it was, um, Payton was effusive in his praise today for Teron Armstead, the uh, starting left tackle.
2: Well... we. We were just meeting uh, this morning, kind of going through the upcoming game, and then going back and and talking about the game we just played. I uh, I would say this: it was one of the more gutsiest performances I've seen in a while. Um, you know, we were banged up at the position, and in a lot of cases, guys would would have just said, uh, you know, I can't go. Um, but it, it's it's uh, it's been fantastic. I mean, I. There's not a left tackle I'd trade him for in the league. I I really like the way uh, he's progressed. He's smart. He's athletic. And, you know, last week when you watch the tape, if you watch it, you can see that he's not 100%. And, uh, you know, when he fights through it.
1: The other guy that Coach Payton talked about today was Max Unger. Um, And, you know, I had somebody ask me last night, if you can believe this, about, boy, What's it been like since Jimmy Graham has been gone? I hadn't heard Jimmy Graham's name in forever, um, and there was no need. Uh, But all it did was remind me about Max Unger and what that guy has meant to the Saints as a part of that Jimmy Graham situation. Well, Coach Payton talked about Max Unger's impact this season, a guy who's played just about every single snap uh, in his first season with the Saints.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I would say this. I think he's had a good season. He's been a he's been healthy, but he's smart. He's durable. Uh, he's been a fantastic leader and extremely athletic. Uh, I I love the prospect. I mean, just watching him each week, you know, there's a there's a certain readiness you're going to get, and uh, and I think I think it's key with some of the younger players on the offensive line. All
1: right, so that's basically the the most important piece of what Sean Payton had to say this morning. The Saints are back to work today, full on preparation for the Falcons and the season finale this weekend. Pelicans are practicing today, uh, game tomorrow night against the Clippers. We'll talk about that before the show is over, but we'll take our first break. When we come back, Wesley Wednesday with David Wesley and then West Durham of the Atlanta Falcons.
3: Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy.
4: Join your New Orleans Pelicans Thursday, December 31st at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center. When the Los Angeles Clippers tip off against your New Orleans Pelicans, come out and ring in the new year with the Pelicans during our Smoothie King New Year's Eve celebration. The first 8,000 fans in attendance will receive a Drew Holiday bobblehead courtesy of Smoothie King. Tickets are going fast, so don't miss out on any of the fun. And call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center, Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m.
0: Guess what day it is. Pump day? Well, yeah. And it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report.
1: The man has a day named after him now, essentially. It's Wesley Wednesday. And therefore, David Wesley joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll have a Wes of another kind. Wes Durham from the Atlanta Falcons still to come today on this Wednesday. But we'll start off with our own guy in-house here. The analyst for Fox Sports New Orleans, former player, David Wesley. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy Wesley Wednesday to you, David.
5: Happy Wesley Wednesday to you as well, uh, Mister Kelly. Uh, good to talk to you here on this Wednesday. I'm, I'm, I'm raring to go. Um, looking for a couple of wins uh, before the new year, or one win before the new year.
1: Yeah. Speaking of the new year, this is the last Wesley Wednesday of 2015. Do you find yourself a little nostalgic here this morning? A little bit.
5: A little bit. Yeah. It's raining. Uh, maybe that's that's an omen. <laughs> it's a bad Wednesday. It'll be a bad year, but
1: oh come on! I
5: really think I know. I'm just playing. I think this team can can turn it around. Uh, you know, a lot needs to happen. Um, and, and you know what, what? What I what I will say about this team. And I and I and I said it when this team all got together, and that was last year to start the year. Is now you have a lot of guys who can do a lot of things. Who is going to sacrifice? And and you know, Tyree can get you 20, but he's not going to get you 20 every night. He he just – it's not beneficial for the team. Gordon can go out and get you 20. He's not going to get you 20. And it's going to look bad. It's going to be like, why is this guy inconsistent? Can you consistently go out and get you 12? Can you defend consistently? And what, what guy is going to say in this, in this, this era of free agency, money, Uh, personal goals, who's going to sacrifice for the team. And if you look at the Miami team, when they got together and they had tons of talent, somebody had to sacrifice. You look at San Antonio, somebody has to sacrifice. Even the big fella took less money to stay in San Antonio. Does this team have that kind of character? I think that's a big question. Does that team have that kind of character that says, I'm young, but i have to sacrifice my personal thoughts with the team thoughts
1: come out swinging today didn't you
5: yeah a little little, little tough yeah. little tough like i said it's raining outside i'm in a i'm in a mood
1: okay all right let's let's start to break down some of the things that are maybe less um gosh explosive uh, shall we say um why and there may not be an answer to this at the moment but david why are the pelicans the way they are this past Saturday against Houston and win at home, do so in comeback fashion, 13 assists for Tyreek Evans, uh, and then go to Orlando and look the way they did on the road uh, in our most recent game?
5: Um, it's been thrown around, and each and every night this team goes out and you start questioning their toughness, What? what are they – Willing to bring every night, not when it's going good, when it gets bad. Are, are you willing to dig in, scrap, claw? Now, this team has shown it will come out in the first quarter and coast into a game, be down 10. This team has shown it will come out in the third quarter, chilling and, and lose the third quarter. In their last 10 games, They've lost eight of ten third quarters. Now they're five and five in their last ten. So I'm just talking mentality. I'm not talking what the stats say because you can, you know, you can have a bad third quarter, win the fourth and and win the game. Last game they won, they lost all four quarters. So, um, in those ten games, they've had five double digit deficits and they're one and four. This is not a come-from-behind team. It's too hard in this league to spot teams while you're getting ready for the game. And, and right now, there isn't a focus. There isn't a determination uh, uh, to, to go out and get right to work. Now, does that mean changing some lineups, changing some guys? It might, but maybe some of these guys are feeling too comfortable about this is my starting this is my starting lineup or this is my this is these are my minutes. It may have to go back to earn these minutes. Earn this time. If you sit over there for a while, how do you respond? And and I don't know how this team will respond, but at some point I think Alvin will say, Okay, I gotta play five guys on the court that wanna go go get it. And some nights you can look out there and see that. It's not, it's not five guys together. Even though Alvin substituted all five after less than two minutes uh, in the third quarter, it's not all five guys. But it'll be two or three. It'll be two. And and when you don't have all the guys on the same page, and the, the problem, I think the problem and the frustration is you see these guys get it done. Like you said, the Houston game, great game, both ends of the floor, finish the game like like champs, like. That's, that's how you go with games. Defense, offense, communication, the whole thing was there. And then games where they, 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 they make little mistakes. They beat themselves. They don't make free throws. Um, and if it's one, it's two or three. It, you know, you can, you can survive if one guy doesn't have it tonight. You send him to the bench. Maybe he gets it going later on, but you get another guy coming in and filling feel the spot. But right now, it's too many guys at the same time that just aren't doing enough. Do these guys know that if they go out and they play their role for the team, that translates into better play and possible win?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. You brought up Tyreek Evans a moment ago. Let me play devil's advocate just for a second here. Um, other than Tyreek Evans, only Russell Westbrook is putting up numbers like Tyreek does. 15 plus a game. Points-wise, I'm going to get these numbers wrong a little bit. Um, okay. What is it? Seven and a half rebounds a game, eight assists per game, something along those lines, right? Yep. Yep.
6: yep. Okay,
1: so I see that, and I see some balance there. He had the 13 assists against Houston the other night in the win. Um, so the, I'm, I'm playing the other side of it here just for the sake of the conversation uh, with regard to Tyreek Evans. Uh, what's the counter to that? Do those numbers get thrown out? Um, what do you do with them?
5: Tyreek is a is a unique talent. What he does, very few people in this league can do. Obviously, there's only uh, there's only three or four guys putting up those kind of numbers. The problem is his style of play bogs things down offensively. And when I say that, you'll see a lot of guys stand when he gets the ball. When he catches the ball, the ball stops. Now, not always, but a lot of times, and especially when the team is struggling, he has that ability to go get his own shot. But it takes him five, six, seven dribbles to get that shot. So everybody stands. And then if you'll watch, he'll go into his surmix a lot give the ball up because he's been cut off. And what does is, what is his teammates do? Give him the ball back. So there are, there are many possessions where you see him with the ball the majority of the shot clock. And therefore that means that's five guys standing. That means nobody's going to rebound. That means nobody's you know fired up to run and get back because they just watch a, 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 an individual show. And it starts frustrating. Then the next time, it's my turn. Then it's my turn. Now you got three or four bad possessions. Now you have a 10-point deficit. And, and they haven't figured out how to get out of that mode quick enough. You get timeouts, you get a mad coach, you get yelling and screaming, and then they go out and, you know, they, they – they, you can see the effort. It's just not consistent sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, one more question here for you. Uh, Anthony Davis was quoted again after the Orlando game as saying, we didn't – and I'm paraphrasing here – we didn't – match the intensity of our opponent um there were things that we were lacking in uh, and it starts with me and again i'm paraphrasing but the the key thing there at the end is him saying it starts with me fans are hearing this now on multiple occasions if i'm not mistaken you play with lebron james i want to say you play with tracy mcgrady right i'm trying to think of franchise players that you were with um who who on the charlotte slash new orleans side would you put in that category would it be Jamal Mashburn?
5: I, I believe, you know, the Jamal, um, Barron, uh, just because they're, they were the leaders of the team, not necessarily that caliber players. But right. In, on any given night, they could be the best thing on the floor.
1: Okay. And, and so I bring this up because my question would be is this, and I want to get to the question. I'm sorry I'm dragging this out. If Anthony Davis came to you and said, Hey, David, think back to the franchise guys that you played with. Um, what can I do? to make sure it does start with me, or where can I go with, with my leadership of this franchise? What would you say to him?
5: And, 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 and I wouldn't even be speaking so much about these other guys. But for me, there is not a take-charge attitude. And that, that's, that's what it's about, a take-charge attitude. Now, you were here when Baron was here, and you watched him completely just take over a playoff game. Now, Baron too, didn't give it enough. And, it's, and listen, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about give enough. I, I, played, I played one way, but I wasn't the guy. I wasn't expected every night to give you 25. I wasn't expected every night to give you 15 assists. I, I was expected to defend, play hard nose, and that's the only way I could play to survive in this league. But the guys that can play at that level, more often and for longer stretches of games are the ones you talk about their greatness. If Anthony Davis wants to reach greatness, he has to have a determination. I want the ball. I'm demanding the ball. I'm going to make plays for my teammates on both ends of the floor because he has that capability. So when he goes through a quarter and takes one shot, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. There is never a game where he's supposed to take one shot, and I don't care if he's double tripled. I don't care if everybody on the floor is around him because if they are, then everybody's getting wide open shots. There's not a confusion. So if he's demanding the ball and he's going to the block and he's posting up and he's playing with force, this team is going to have great success because, yes, they're going to have to double. There's going to be kickouts. The defense is going to be playing catch-up. There's going to be a wide open shot, drive to the basket, easy dunk, all those kind of things. If every player on the team buys into that, that's what this system is. Ball movement, body movement, open shots. When they play like that, they look great. You're thinking, oh man, this team can play with anybody in the league. When they don't, they are as bad as any team in this league. And too many times, Certainly, they started out this season where they didn't have all their guys. That is evident. But now that they do, and they need to win games, there are teams that they need to beat. And Orlando was there to be beaten. And you never want to come out of a game saying that they outworked us. And too many times you're saying, "Yeah, we didn't match our, we didn't match their intensity." That's a problem. Why not? These games are coming perfect in a perfect way they're not necessarily back-to-backs they're, they're 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 a day in between they're 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 not two or three days where you kind of lose rhythm guys who need to show up production needs to be done if they're going to make this run for that eighth playoff spot
1: well i think we pretty much just put the uh, whole thing uh, in a nice neat holiday package for everybody don't you
5: yeah, I don't think I put them in a holiday mood, but no, I don't. Uh, yes, it, it is a holiday package only because it's the holidays.
1: That's right. And um, and Happy New Year to you, and I look forward to more Wesley Wednesday's 2016 style coming up.
5: I do, too. And uh, hopefully they'll get better, and we have good things to talk about, and wins, and, and everybody's cheery, and everybody gets on the same page. It would be awesome. I love talking about good play. Yep. I love talking about Pelican wins, and I, I, I love these guys. I I wish the best. I want these guys to succeed in in all aspects. So, hopefully, twenty the last game of 2015 will be a good one, and 2016 will get much better.
1: I agree. I'm with you on that. Please don't wear the baby New Year outfit tomorrow night, please. Uh,
5: I'm 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 trying not to. Okay, I might have to dig him out.
1: All right. Well, we'll see. (laughs) Clippers and Pelicans tomorrow night, Smoothie King Center. Uh, Drewhead bobblehead night. Uh, David and Joel, of course, on Fox Sports New Orleans with Jen Hale. And, of course, uh, coverage on the Pelican's radio network. A West of a different kind here in a moment as we continue on this Wednesday at the Black and Blue Report. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Fall is here,
3: which means there's a new purpose to get excited about at Smoothie King. It's time to bundle up against the weather outside and give your immune system a little extra support on the inside. At Smoothie King, we're blending our new Immune Builder smoothies to help you stay strong all season long. Fortify your body with more than 2,000% of your daily vitamin C and all natural immune supporters like vitamins A and E, zinc, and selenium. Try a mixed berry or orange Immune Builder smoothie today. Only at Smoothie King smoothies with a purpose.
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We already had one Wes on, David Wesley. Now we turn our attention to Wes Durham. Yes, yes, Mr. Durham. You're in good company today.
6: I'm in excellent company. I'm way above my pay grade when you talk to David Wesley. Yeah. A great
1: player yeah great guy too and uh great show having you guys both on here the voice of the atlanta falcons is with us as the uh, saints and falcons get to get set to renew acquaintances here to end the regular season on uh sunday hey wes first of all uh, happy new year to you um Thanks. yeah i appreciate that and uh, uh let me ask you this before we get started maybe the news of the day here your take on chip kelly being fired by the philadelphia eagles at about 7 p.m eastern last night
6: Well, I'm probably guilty of saying last uh, April and early May, Sean, that I thought he was the biggest free agent in college football going into last year. I just didn't think that what had transpired in Philadelphia was going to be healthy unless they won, only because I thought there were way, way too many changes in the roster, way, way too many changes in the football administration of the Eagles.
0: And if they didn't
6: win, I thought it would end pretty quick because I think Jeffrey Lurie's a pretty shrewd business guy, the owner of the Eagles. And at the end of the day, um, I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah, what, and you, you can appreciate this because you and I have both worked on the college side a long time. The, the athletic directors who had some of those jobs that might have been available that are now no longer available, they, you know, we had some college coaching jobs that went really fast in this world, you mm-hmm. know, in this carousel that just finished up here for the most part. Now all of a sudden, how many ADs are, you know, knocking themselves in the head that they didn't wait a little longer? Um, but that being said, I think Chip Kelly's going to coach somewhere next year, and, and it's sexy and romantic to think that it might be in Nashville, coaching Marcus Mariota. But I don't know that Russel Webster wants to move that way. And will Chip Kelly learn from what he did not accomplish in three years in Philadelphia? I mean, that's the as you all know, the benefit of, of some of these guys' coaching is, is that when they get back into it, be it at the college or the pro level, they always are able to go back and assess what they didn't do right and, and maybe make amends, so to speak. Uh, will Chip Kelly give himself time to do that, or will he rush real quick to the next hot thing running and, uh, and see if he can be successful there. I think that's the biggest question. But the college acronym to it, I think, is fascinating at this point, although I don't think there's a college job coming open or going to be open that Chip Kelly's destined for right now.
1: Yeah, uh, he's a smart dude. Let's, not, let's just not kid ourselves here. I mean, the guy no, no, knows he's what he's doing. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He says he wants to stay in the NFL. My only question uh, pertaining to that issue is this, Wes. Uh, why not wait till Sunday night? I mean, why five days before your final game and you're out? I mean, I don't understand.
6: Well, and, that's, and as you well know, we've been in, around professional sports now long enough to know that sometimes it comes to a head you can't really do anything about the timing. You know, I mean, the, the Jeffrey Lurie, Chip Kelly meetings, maybe that occur weekly or maybe biweekly or monthly or whatever, uh, may have taken place after the playoff elimination, and, you know, they may have had one conversation that boiled into another. Uh, quite frankly, I think Jeffrey Lurie has to rebuild this football team um, he's going to have to go find, you know, probably a GM, probably a player personnel guy, you know, several other people uh, in, in this process. And I think at the end of the day, he he wants to be out in front on this because he already knows Miami's looking for a coach. Tennessee more than likely is looking for a coach. So, you know, he, he wants to kind of get ahead of the curve a little bit if he can. Now, how much can he get ahead of the curve? I don't know, but uh, it'll be fascinating because the NFC East is a train wreck now. I mean, it's an absolute mess. I mean, you know, it, it's bizarre as to how bad that division was this year.
1: There's always one. I mean, last year we were bemoaning the fact that the NFC South wasn't all that yeah. sexy either. So, you know, uh, it's cyclical. I understand that. And as you mentioned, I think we're looking at probably four to five openings right off the bat come next week. Mm-hmm. So
0: we'll Absolutely. see about
1: that. Hey, Falcons and Saints this weekend. Both teams are coming off of a uh, a win, but yet the conversation is so much different than the last time we talked. Specifically for Atlanta, West. How has this thing changed since the last time these two teams met?
6: Well, it's interesting because, you know, really, New Orleans, uh, two things happened in the ballgame in mid-October at the Superdome that I thought were fascinating. One was uh, Ben Watson busted out completely, and he's gone on to have, and I think by anybody's estimation who follows the Saints closely like you do, a really, really good season. I mean, a really good season. Uh, And his coming out party was, so to speak, on that Thursday night against Atlanta. Uh, and also at that same time that night the Falcons red zone inefficiencies either turnovers or field goals instead of touchdowns started to kind of metamorphosize itself if I can use that word and it really started to plague them and Atlanta did not get out of that swoon until two weeks ago when they beat Jacksonville it's it's hard to believe but they won one game between that first match in New Orleans and two weeks ago one game and they Quite frankly, Sean shouldn't have won that game in Nashville when they beat the Titans uh, 10-7. I mean, really, really ugly football for Atlanta. And from an offensive perspective, uh, you know, it had been a long time since this this organization had come under fire for what they were doing on offense. And um, and to be honest, two weeks ago they got a great play before halftime. Kamal Ishmael picked Blake Bortles, uh, led to a field goal. They hung on at the end. They got a defensive stop. And then last Sunday against the Panthers is just really kind of in the 12 years Dave Archer and I've done the games together, Sean, to be honest with you, really one of the more electric ball games that that we've seen simply because Atlanta refused to give in on both sides of the ball and they played tough and they played the way kind of that Dan Quinn, I think, envisioned this team playing a lot of this season.
1: Let's say Atlanta takes the Carolina win, translates that into a win over a rival team like New Orleans. Do you have a better feeling, or do fans have a better feeling about the way this season went, or is the damage already done and now it's a big ho hum, dragging off season for Atlanta?
6: That's an interesting question. I think it's one that's being asked a lot this week in the Atlanta market because no matter what happens Sunday, you still lost six straight and seven of eight at one point during the year after a five-month start. You know, I mean, you you, you gave away. You're going to fall into the uh, that list of teams in history that started 5-0, and oh, you're going to be the seventh team in the Super Bowl era to start 5-0 and oh that didn't make the playoffs. Wow. Um, you know, and, and that's that's the stark reality. But then again, and, you know, how many times have we seen this? Sometimes, you know, expectations and, you know, if you just told somebody that they'd be 9-7 and seven at the start of the year in Dan Quinn's first season, given the rebuild that was going on, they would have said, oh, yeah, that'd be great, 9-7 and seven, a winning season. Might make the playoffs, might not. Okay, I'll take that. Well, guess what? They might be 9-7 and seven and not make the playoffs, and, and people are going to have to really reassess that. And But the problem is the, the way the script was written, and it's not very comfortable for some folks. I, I, however, I believe they've done some really good things. But yet, like anybody in the NFL who's right on that cut line for playoff football, they've got a lot to overcome. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive – this organization gets in free agency because they really kind of played middle of the road toward the bottom of the free agent list a year ago um and and that's not that's not what's needed now they're probably going to be with the new salary cap somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 to 30 million under the cap wow uh which is going to be i think in the front third or front half of the league. and they've got some decisions to make. They've got, you know, and I'll be honest, they've got to make a decision on the all-time leading receiver in every category in franchise history. And William Morris, safety who they took five, six years ago, who's been a good player but often injured and is now on IR again. I mean, it's becoming a, this is going to be a difficult, excruciating offseason in some respects of this organization.
1: But yet, unlike last offseason, you don't have a coaching decision to make. There is no. a clear no. vision here under a – Uh, a a stable guy, right?
6: Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. Dan Quinn's done a really nice job. I I think there may be some staff tweaking that goes on, and and that happens with everybody, I guess. But um, that would be the only move that you would see would be a a spot here, a spot there, and I'm I'm not even sure at this point if I'm even discussing a coordinator. It may be just a, a spot position guy here whose buddy gets a head job or something of that nature.
1: Gotcha. Uh, the Saints have clearly shown that uh, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and that and that core was was pleased with the culture of the locker room. Uh, and while it was going to have its share of growing pains, uh, this team has shown that hey, look, you know, this is not where we wanted to be, but by no means are we going to walk into the off season here. Uh, so right. in that sense, uh, I think that that makes Sunday's game interesting, especially coming off the win this past Sunday. Uh, but on the Atlanta side, when you look at how you want to frame this one up this Sunday, what will be your process?
6: Um, a couple of things. One, I, I think you always, when you've been eliminated from the playoffs and you know this is the finality of the season and you know there is nothing out there for you after Sunday at, you know, 4.05 Eastern time, you know, what, how, do, how do you react this week in your preparation? Who who has a sense of urgency for a game that there is no urgency, if you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um I think it's fascinating where New Orleans is because, uh, you know, and I was looking at my card from the first game to this game. I mean, somebody like a Tim Hightower who's involved now, um, you know, you get the defensive guys, the Donnell Eladys, and guys who are playmakers on that side of the ball for them. Uh, and then this, you know, perceived script of Breeze and Peyton and, and what all that means. You know, how, how emotional, if there is something there, will that be for that team? In Atlanta's case, I think there is this sense. Now, I don't know how significant this sense is, Sean. I think there is this sense that there are some young guys, and, and I could spot one or two for you, a Tevin Coleman, uh, a backup at running back, um, a Justin Hardy at wide receiver, uh, maybe even a Nick Williams, who's a free agent guy in a slot at wide receiver. There is this sense that there are going to be some young guys that will get on the field because they need to know where they fit going forward, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know, and and I hate to say that because it it also gives you the perception this has got a preseason feel to it, and I don't think that's the case. I think there is that sense of urgency factor. Quinn wants to put these guys on the field, put them in a meaningful snap with something of significance on the line. And in this case for Atlanta, it's a winning season. And, And quite frankly, even though this is the 50th year of Falcons football, Winning seasons, even though since 2008 they've, you know, had uh, five out of the last eight, um, they still haven't uh, been this franchise that you associate with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboys no. of the world. Well, yeah. So the idea being that I, I think they really do want to see how, this, uh, how some of these young guys react, for lack of a better term, I guess.
1: I, I think with those things all in mind, I, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating a pretty, pretty enjoyable football game on Sunday, to tell you the truth.
6: Oh, absolutely. I, I think this is, well, first of all, it's Saints-Falcons, and you, you and I both know that that makes it different than, you know, Saints versus anybody and Atlanta versus anybody else, too. Um, the, the irony for me is going to be, how does, how does this tempo, of the, how does the tempo of the game go? You know, does one team get a, you know, 10, 14-point lead, and then how does the other team react? Because I, I think when you lose that sense of urgency for postseason football, I think that's one of the things you have to deal with at the end. I, I've i seen teams like, you know, Atlanta three years ago riding off into the sunset of a 13-win regular season, and they fall behind the Tampa and ultimately lose a game, and everybody's so-so, we get a week off and play again. And then I saw a team in 2007 where Bobby Petrino had quit on them, and they rolled up 53 on the Seahawks at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you see it both ways. And I'm always – Rich McKay one time told us in our radio pregame at the end of a season, it's, it's really one of the more fascinating dynamics of professional sports. You don't have anything to play for beyond the end of this game. So where is your sense of urgency? And it's a lot more about the guy sometimes than it is the team. And collectively, do you have enough of those guys that want to make a difference on
1: something? That's the thing. When you put enough of those agendas together, if they're all pointing mm-hmm. in this right direction, it can be pretty cool. So yep. no doubt about it. Uh, West Durham here with us, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons. You're also working a, a ton of college basketball. While well, I've got you here. Uh, lastly, is there a guy or two that you're going to see or you have seen that uh, perhaps I might want to keep my eye on as a possible NBA guy down the road?
6: Well, I can give you, you know, I'll give you three or four um, uh, guys that I've seen so far that I think are fascinating. Um, of course, everybody knows you got one in your own backyard there with Ben Simmons at LSU, who everybody's, you know, gone gaga over and rightly so, pretty talented kid, especially for his size. Um, there are a couple, I, I think, uh, another freshman to keep an eye on. There are two at Florida State, Malik Beasley and Dwayne Bacon, who I think are really talented wing guys. Uh, it's hard for me to project them at the next level right now. Um, I will tell you this I I'm, I saw Xavier last week in a non-conference game with Wake Forest uh Sean and I love uh like uh Jaylen Reynolds the big kid inside Travion Blue at the wing who can really score Edmund Sumner's a redshirt freshman I think Chris Max really got one of the of the if if you can be undefeated and top 10 in the country and be called a sleeper he's got one <laughs> um but uh, I really like Xavier i uh, going to see Duke on Saturday um, and uh, twice this week and really looking forward to seeing the development of Grayson Allen. I saw him in the ACC tournament live a year ago, thought he was playing some decent minutes, but really finished the season strong and uh, and has obviously taken Duke to the next level. I have seen the one guy I will tell you who, who may take the ACC by storm from a scoring perspective is uh, Anthony Cat Barber of NC State. Um he single-handedly carried them to a win last night against Northeastern and, uh, and probably will be a guy who I think will lead the ACC in scoring. He is a six-three guard who can score it in a variety of ways and has become a very serviceable defender and is a pretty good assist guy. So uh, NC State, I don't know what kind of year they're going to have once the league gets cranked up here starting this weekend, but, uh, but I think Cap Barber is, uh, is a pretty talented guy who has matured by staying in college. And this is his third year and he is uh, he's a completely different prospect than he was as a freshman.
1: Yeah. Cause I hadn't, I didn't have him on my radar, but I'll be watching now. That's for sure.
6: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, I would say all the best this weekend, but you know better. Um, <laughs> otherwise great 2016 for you and your family, my friend.
6: Thanks. And, and let me uh, also, since, uh, since you and I do this a lot, let me, we said something on the air last Sunday uh, during the Panthers game. And, and we are all pulling for Hokie guys on, uh, and I know he's in a in a big fight, and uh, and all of us in Atlanta, even with the rivalry aside, and we said it on the air last week. I hope folks this time of year, uh, when you think of folks in the holiday season and and support those that are in, in a tough spot. Uh, we are thinking of Hokie and we wish him a speedy recovery. Look forward to seeing him back next fall. And. Uh, be glad to see Jim on Sunday, but uh, we certainly will miss not having Hokey. Yep,
1: well said, and it means a lot. Thank you, Wes, and we'll pass on those uh, well wishes to uh, to Hokie and his family this weekend. Thanks, so, man. Yep, all right, Wes Durham with us, voice of the Atlanta Falcons, Saints and Falcons on this Sunday to wrap things up, and we'll wrap up the Black and Blue Report right after this.
4: Join your New Orleans Pelicans Thursday, December 31st at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center. When the Los Angeles Clippers tip off against your New Orleans Pelicans, come out and ring in the new year with the Pelicans during our Smoothie King New Year's Eve celebration. The first 8,000 fans in attendance will receive a Drew Holiday bobblehead courtesy of Smoothie King. Tickets are going fast, so don't miss out on any of the fun. And call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today.
3: Healthcare with peace of mind.
0: Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: We will preview tomorrow in earnest the Pelicans and Clippers from the Smoothie King Center Studios on the Black and Blue Report. Tomorrow night, the uh, two go at it on New Year's Eve. Should be a fun matchup, even without Blake Griffin. And tomorrow night is also another giveaway at the Smoothie King Center as uh, we will have our first bobblehead in quite some time. Drew Holiday bobblehead night tomorrow night, courtesy of Smoothie King and uh, the Pelicans back home where they are 7-6 and six this season. Uh, we will talk uh, Clippers and Pelicans, uh, as I mentioned, on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. And we'll also, uh, for one more time this season, have Jim Henderson, the voice of the New Orleans Saints, on our program and that will wrap up our week. No black and blue report on new year's day. Well, uh, we'll ease into 2016 next week, shall we say, and hopefully we'll be talking about a great weekend as the Pelicans will play uh, twice. And uh, the saints, obviously uh, the one time against Atlanta on Sunday. Thanks again to the voice of the Falcons, West Durham for being on our program today. David Wesley too. Thanks for making us a part of your Wednesday. We hope that you have a great rest of your Wednesday, hopefully dry. Um, <laughs> If you're in the Gulf South, I doubt it. But uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Looking forward to that on the Black and Blue Report. For Daniel Sallerson, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at neworleansaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report you we'll